and purpose. This has been your host, Bear, wishing all my poppies peace, love, happiness, music, and dancing. Your bonus beat this episode comes about because two things. One, at the end of every bitter ball, I do a super cheesy, souped-up pop song to balance out the negativity. Uh, and I picked the song, one, because the bitter ball over at Soundwaves TV was all 90s, and two... Because I mistakenly thought that Dave Wakeling was the lead singer of this band. As I mentioned earlier, he's the lead singer of The Beat. But this is uh, not The Beat. This is UB40 with their biggest hit from 1993. Their cover of Elvis's I Can't Help, Falling in Love. Ciao for now.
Obama it. You work your ass off. Yes. You become a lawyer. You study constitutional motherfucking law. You become a senator. You fucking do it. And then you become president. It, if you want, hey, Mark Zuckerberg, I invite you to throw your hat in the ring for this June and become the mayor of San Francisco. Nice. And then if you want to run in 2020, I would stand up, and I think everyone else here would, seeing if you have the experience to not only run a company but a city and know something about government. Know there something you go. about dealing with people. Otherwise, we don't know what you're going to be like, and you're like, maybe our democracy, because Facebook, and I think that's what we were talking about, Facebook's kind of iffy at this point, and that's why I try to bring in neutral. Like, yes, they've done this, but they've done this. It's a very like and we don't he's unproven as a politician he has no experience in politics it's no. like the hubris well the hubris of these people to think that i could just be in politics people study this there are people that get master's degrees phds they spend their entire lives studying history and reading books and reading like rilke and, or no that's different that's poetry the meritocracy but, <laughs> which people tell us they and the media no work hard do this and then you can't then you can't have it both ways which is a big problem of mine with like the far right republicans and all that stuff it's like no don't be a fucking hypocrite like if that's your position fine i might agree with it i might not but you can't have it both ways so you can't you can't in the media tell us that we land of the free home of the brave this is a meritocracy pull yourself up by your bootstraps Unless you're Donald Trump and you don't have to, and right. you can be insulting, and in a vote of, and we don't have you to. Can be this is to not. Everybody. This is an oligarchy, and and it is not yep. a democracy anymore. We're losing our democracy. We're going to lose our voices in the media with this three to two. Some guy now. If you took, fuck anybody from. I got to start researching like what people say in other countries about it. They're fucking laughing at us, yeah, and we are. deserve their laughter. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And and I would love. Another country, like, like, let's just look at the fucking exact situation that happened. This is my biggest worry for this country because we see what the media does to us. They fucking lie to us. Yeah. And so a, a jit pie comes over from former Verizon lawyer, goes to head the FCC. All of a sudden, our net neutrality, he might have a uh, conflicting interest. So all of That's a sudden, crazy. yeah, all of a sudden, our, um, our, net neutrality laws are gone and you know what let's be really really fair let's break it down what i have yet to see an argument what was wrong with the way the current system is set up we might critique it but like what was wrong with the net with 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 the the cable and all that you know what was wrong the people weren't making enough money we weren't brainwashing enough people well i feel like it should uh wi-fi should be free everywhere like why do we have to pay for it like why why not just make it free everywhere hey everybody there should be free Wi-Fi everywhere. It's utility. Jokes every Thursday, 7 to 9, with True Hustle Thursdays. Hashtag THC. That's hashtag THC. You want more open mics? Fridays, Flap. 6 to 8. Happy hour Flap with Classic and On Muni Radio. D. Dot FM. Smith. Pew, pew, pew. Four open mics every week at Mutiny Radio.
those flames get higher and higher Oh, please, no, no She was very beautiful, you know? And together they turned everything into a kind of an adventure. She liked that. Just an ordinary trip down to the grocery store was full of adventure. And they were always laughing at stupid things. He liked to make them laugh. They didn't much care for anything else because all they wanted to do was be with each other. They were always together. And he, he loved her more than he ever felt possible. He couldn't stand being away from her um, during the day when he went to work. So he'd quit just to be home with her. And then he'd get another job when the money ran out. And then he'd quit again. But pretty soon she started to worry. 
About what? Money, I guess. Not having enough. Hmm. Not knowing when the next check was coming in. Yeah, I know that feeling. So he started to get kind of torn inside coming in. Yeah, I know that feeling. So he started to get kind of torn inside. How do you mean? Well, he knew he had to work to support her, but he couldn't stand being away from her either. And the more he was away from her, the crazier he got. Except now, he got really crazy. He started imagining all kinds of things. Like what? He started thinking that she was seeing other men on the sly. He'd come home from work and accuse her of spending the day with somebody else. He'd yell at him and break things in the trailer. Anyway, he started to drink real bad. And he'd stay out late to test her, to see if she'd get jealous. He wanted her to get jealous, but she didn't. She just worried about him, but that got him even madder. He thought if she never got jealous of him, that she didn't really care about him. Jealousy was a sign of her love for him. And then one night, one night, she told him that she was pregnant. She was about three or four months pregnant, and he didn't even know. And then suddenly everything changed. He stopped drinking, got a steady job. He was convinced that she loved him now because she was carrying his child. And he was going to dedicate himself to making a home for her. But a funny thing started to happen. He didn't even notice it at first. She started to change. From the day the baby was born, she began to get irritated with everything around her. She got mad at everything. Even the babies seemed to be an injustice to her. He kept trying to make everything all right for her, buy her things, take her out to dinner once a week. But nothing seemed to satisfy her. For two years, he struggled to pull them back together like they were when they first met. But finally, he knew it was never going to work out. So he hit the bottle again, but this time it got mean. This time when he came home late at night, she wasn't worried about him or jealous. She was just enraged. She accused him of holding her captive by making her have a baby. She told him that she dreamed about escaping. That was all she dreamed about, escape. She saw herself at night running naked down a highway, running across fields, running down riverbeds, always running. 
that always, just when she was about to get away, you'd be there. You would stop her somehow. You would just appear and stop her. And when she told him these dreams, he believed them. He knew she had to be stopped or she'd leave him forever. So he tied a cowbell to her ankle so he could hear at night if she tried to get out of bed. But she learned how to muffle the bell by stuffing a sock into it and inching her way out of the bed and into the night. He caught her one night when the sock fell out and he heard her trying to run to the highway. He caught her and dragged her back to the trailer and tied her to the stove with his belt. He just left her there, went back to bed, and lay there listening to her scream. Then he listened to his son's scream. And he was surprised at himself because he didn't feel anything anymore. All he wanted to do was sleep. And for the first time, he wished he were far away. Lost in a deep, vast country where nobody knew him. Somewhere without language. Or streets. And he dreamed about this place without knowing its name. And when he woke up, he was on fire. There were blue flames burning the sheets of his bed. He ran through the flames toward the only two people he loved. But they were gone. His arms were burning, and he threw himself outside and rolled on the wet ground. Then he ran. He never looked back at the fire. He just ran. He ran until the sun came up. He couldn't run any further. And when the sun went down, he ran again. For five days he ran like this, until every sign of man had disappeared.
Flat Black Plastic is the show on Mutiny Radio that you're listening to. Keep it listening. August 1934. Several months later, I began to feel heavy and tremors inside of my womb. My breasts are full of milk. The child does not belong in my life, for I have too many people to take care of. I have already too many children. As D.H. Lawrence said, do not bring any more children into the world, bring hope into the world. There are too many men without hope and faith in the world. Too much work to do, too many to serve and care for. Already, I have more than I can bear. I sit in the studio in the dark, talking to my child. You should not be thrust into this black world, in which even the greatest joys are tainted with pain, in which we are slaves to material forces. He kicked and stirred. So full of energy, my child. How much better it would be if you had stayed away from Earth in obscurity and unconsciousness, in the paradise of non-being. My little one not born yet, you are the future. I would prefer to live with men in the present, not with future extensions of myself into the future. I feel your small feet kicking against my womb. It is very dark in the room we're sitting in, just as dark as it must be for you inside of me. But it must be sweeter for you to be lying in the warmth than it is for me to be seeking in this dark room the joy of not knowing, not feeling, not seeing, the joy of lying still and quiet in utter warmth and darkness. All of us forever seeking again this warmth and this darkness, this being alive without pain, this being alive without anxiety or fear or aloneness. You are impatient to live. You kick with your small feet, my little one not born yet. You ought to die in warmth and darkness. You ought to die because in the world there are no real fathers, not in heaven. On earth. The German doctor has been here. While he examines me, we talk about the persecution of the Jews in Berlin. Life is full of terror and wonder. He said, You were not built for maternity. I sit in the dark studio and talk to the child. You can see that what is happening in the world 
that there is no father taking care of us. We are all orphans. You will be a child without a father as I was a child without a father. That is why I did all the caring. I nursed the whole world. When there was war and persecution, I wept for all the wounds inflicted. And where there were injustices, I struggled to return life, to recreate hope. The woman loved and cared too much. But inside of this woman, there is still a child. There is still the ghost of a little girl forever wailing inside, wailing the loss of her father. Will you go about, as I did, knocking on windows, watching every caress and protective love given to other children? For as soon as you will be born, as just as soon as I was born, man, the husband, lover, friend, will leave, as my father did. Man is a child, afraid of fatherhood. Man is a child, and not a father. Man is an artist who needs all the care, all the warmth for himself, as my father did. There's no end to his needs. He needs faith, indulgence, humor. He needs worship, good cooking, mended socks, elves, a hostess, a mistress, a mother, a sister, a secretary, a friend. He needs to be the only one in the world. He will hate your wailing and your slobbering and your sickness and my feeding you rather than his work, his creation. He might cast you aside for this love of his work which brings him praise and power. He might run away as my father ran away from his wife and children and you would be abandoned as I was. It would be better to die than to be abandoned for you would spend your life haunting the world for this lost father fragment of your body and soul, this lost fragment of your very self. There is no father on earth. We were deluded by this shadow of God the Father cast on the world, a shadow larger than man. This shadow you would worship and seek to touch, dreaming day and night of its warmth and of its greatness, dreaming of it covering you and lulling you, larger than a hammock as large as the sky, big enough to hold your soul and all your fears, larger than man or woman, than church or house, the shadow of a magic father who is nowhere to be found. It is the shadow of God the Father. It would be better if you died inside of me, quietly, in the warmth and in the darkness. The doctor does not hear the breathing of the child. He rushes me to the clinic. I feel resigned and yet deep down terrified of the anesthetic. Feeling of oppression, remembrance of other anesthetics, anxiety, like a birth trauma. The child is six months old. They might save it. Anxiety. Fear of death, fear of yielding to eternal sleep. But I lay smiling and joking. I was wheeled to the operating room, legs tied and raised, the pose of love in a cold, white operating room, with the clatter of instruments and the smell of antiseptics and the voice of the doctor and I trembling with cold, blue with cold and anxiety. The smell of ether, the cold numbness trickling through the veins, 
the heaviness, the paralysis, but the mind still clear and struggling with the concept of death, against death, against sleep. The voices grow dimmer. I have no longer the capacity to answer. The desire to sigh, sob, to murmur. Ça va, madame? 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 Ça va, madame?
feeling the sweet sounds of cool jazz here on Mutiny Radio. Uh, I'm going to get started with a visiting comic all the way from Portland, Maine. Uh, super exciting that he's here. Part of the comedy co-op group in Portland, Maine. Maine's funniest comedian we have for you here tonight on the program. So, hey everybody, glad you're listening, and I'm super excited to introduce you to Connor McGrath. Good evening, San Francisco. Welcome to the uh, McGrath After Dark, the premiere episode, and possibly only episode. We're here live in the heart of the Mission District. Just wrapped up day three, or day day two. Day three. Day three. Started on Thursday. Day three of Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. This is my first day at the festival, my first day in San Francisco. I traveled all the way here, as Pam mentioned, from Portland, Maine. Uh, it was a treacherous flight yesterday. As some of the Boston New England comics on uh, on the festival alluded to, I was lucky to get out on the last flight out of Portland, Maine, at uh, New York, and I was able to make the connection after a five-hour delay to San Francisco, landing at 3:30 this morning. Oh! And waking up four hours later, and I've been running on Tic Tacs and alcohol, <laughs> and. I had a torta too. I had a couple tacos. I also had a. Bre- I also had breakfast. So I've had about two and a half meals, and about twelve drinks, and about. Do you want some mac? I have some mac and cheese. You want some mac and cheese? Oh no, I'm good. I just oh, had a torta before I got. Oh here. okay okay okay. Uh, coming into the studio right now is Boston comedian Chris Post. Hey everybody. Sit sit down. And get pick up microphone. One of these microphones doesn't work. We aren't sure which one, so we'll have to figure it out. Oh, okay. I think it's that that's the better one. Yeah. That's the working one. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Chris, is this your first time performing comedy in the city of San Francisco, California? Yes, sir. Yeah, it definitely is. This is a terrific city for comedy. It's been a blast. <laughs> it's a fantastic... Uh, and the, 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 the audiences in San Francisco, they'll really go with you. It's kind of like San Francisco is kind of like a polar opposite of the Boston scene. Yeah, I mean Boston's very compartmentalized. I, I think, right. You, you know, you're you're down all the time. You know, it's uh, you know Boston's a, a, a small city, but you know uh, it, it's uh, got a divided. Lot of different but, scenes. Yeah, exactly. You know, you got your downtown clubs, but then you got your Cambridge clubs and uh, bar shows, and uh, I I felt like you know it felt like you got you know, the Saugus Route One sure. old timer scene. Yeah, absolutely. This felt more like. Uh, yeah, I would uh, consider this a parallel, almost to like the Cambridge uh, clubs. You know, it's a you know very progressive uh, element here, and uh, everyone's very expressive. And uh, yeah, right, it's very, very welcoming. Like, yeah, very welcoming. You, you did the Benders show at nine o'clock. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I think there was a misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I thought it was at the Bar Benders, but I guess it was sponsored by that. <laughs> the Bar so, Benders. Uh, oh, okay. I wasn't yeah. sure what Bender. I thought Benders was. I didn't even know Benders was a bar until like 30 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was one of the sponsors of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Shout out to Benders Bar for their generous sponsorship of the, the they, festival. Yeah, they they gave they gave me some money. You know what I'm really excited about? The gate is closed. We can drink. 
Oh yeah, because oh, we are okay. closed <laughs> to the public. Fine. We are open now. Your, open we, are, that. we are closed to the public. So that's one of the things that Mutiny Radio's had a problem in the past. Yeah. The very first, amazing, the very first year, we were sponsored by PBR. So PBR gave me, like, thank you, yeah. like twelve cases. And like like the 32 pack can, like they gave me so much beer, and we had we had a we had a tent out there, and we were just drinking on the street willy nilly. We didn't give a fuck. Everybody was drinking, and I got I got in trouble with the the law. The ABC came down, and they were like, you can't give away beer. I was like, it's BYOB. They're like, no, that that's that's never been legal. That's not a legal. No, thing. it's not legal. My it's brother's not a, legal at all. My brother, who was supposed to be on the podcast, was uh, <laughs> he's hopefully he's listening back at our Airbnb. He's a bar manager in Brooklyn, and he was saying you cannot give away alcohol at bars in California. It's no. against the, the state laws. Like a bartender legally cannot give a customer a free shot of alcohol. Right. It's uh, it's it, part of the... There's The ABC is... is uh, there. So anyways, it came down on us here, so we weren't allowed to drink. One of the things I learned when I went to one of the classes is that if you're closed to the public... Everything's fine. So right now we are closed to the public. The so gate don't is come closed. By, don't come by. But here. even if they do, the gate is closed. The door is locked. There's nothing they can do. We're not open to the public. We're uh, fine. Alex and Bender. Cool. It's it's not locked. They can. I mean, but it's yeah. That's good. It'll be great. If Alex and Ben are listening to this, bring more beer. I think we're <laughs> bring some limeritas. That's my drink of choice. Well, here, I it's like my guilty pleasure. I was I I like um I really liked. Uh, I, was, I was having sexual intercourse relations with a uh, an older woman, and that was her drink of choice. And she kind of turned me on to Bud Light Limeritas. Ever since, man, she's long gone, but the love of the Limeritas is. My my dad embarrassed me similarly. He came years ago. He came to visit me here in San Francisco, and I took him to Bender's Bar because it's like my favorite place, and I know everybody there. And he meets the owner Johnny, and he says. You know, he says, let me get you a drink, you know, your, your parents' dad, that's so great. And, and uh, he asks for a Bud Light Lime. And, and Johnny looks at him, he's like, just shakes his head, and he's like, I can give you a Bud Light with a lime. <laughs> but my dad actually liked to drink Bud Light Lime, which I think is disgusting and abhorrent. In my, in my dad's, uh, my father, Steve McGrath's drinking days, he, uh, his preferred drinking uh, was a, a PBR with a lime. You like drinking PBR with a lime. Yeah, it's like the it's the Tecate of, of uh, Portland, Maine. It, you know, it's kind of pretty much the same thing. We do have Tecate in Portland now. <laughs> it's, I think uh, every time I we presented me and my brother presented our ID today, people were they were uh, they were impressed that to see a Maine ID. It's it's nice to it's nice to feel desired. Uh, we right now to give you an update in Radioland. We are looking for another bottle opener. If uh, Alex and Ben are listening to this. Bring by a bottle opener. Bing. So I was on. Uh, so you did just did one show tonight, Chris? Uh, yeah, it was at uh, 9 p.m. Uh, it was uh, Oh My DUI, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, everyone just uh, discussing run-ins with the law and uh, their uh, uh, hedonistic uh, exploits, and uh, yeah, it, it was a good time. Yeah. That's that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I was on the. Uh, what was the name of the six o'clock show? Is the musical one with the musical right, backing? Musical backing with breakfast be breakfast. Two out of that's three of my shows on the festival are musical shows because I'm doing the karaoke show tomorrow night. But that's what you asked for. But I asked for that. No, because yeah. I'm a very musical <laughs> comic, and it just happened. Like I, it's like I think it's subconsciously. I think you know all. Com- I, I just secretly really wish I was a musician. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
I, well, I, mean, I mean, the ra- ratio of uh, comics that are failed musicians. I mean, uh, and there's a surprising amount of musicians that want to do stand-up. Uh, sure, like, I, if I well, talk to, then I'm like, I think there's a kinship there. You know, yeah, wanting to express yourself and uh, a lot of piss and vinegar in your veins, and you want to get it out in the right way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, do you guys like the theme shows, or do you think it's... I, I just wonder. I only do it because I find it an easier way to, like, group people in different, like... Because otherwise, yeah. otherwise, it's, like, just me going, like, okay, I'm putting all these comics together. And Yeah, I think it's good. I think yeah. it shows, like, kind of a more thought than just random lineups. It's, it's, yeah, no, and I think it gives uh, challenges people to, uh, you know, uh, think in, in, through those channels. Uh, uh, Connor, I'll tell you, you know, there's there's an open mic in Boston uh, called Thunder Bar, and uh, the host every uh, week has a different theme uh, with which uh, you bring a, a story or a premise to that. Uh, and uh, I, I think that gives a lot of comics a lot of chances to uh, just explore different uh, avenues. And right stuff. on stage. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I just burped. I'm sorry. That's I, be I burped on the microphone too. Oh, okay. yeah. I feel really gross. <laughs> I, uh, I I'm doing a festival next month, and I'm it's a a, a comedy show slash hot dog eating contest. Oh I my did not god! Not know it was gonna be a themed a themed that theme until I I saw it, my how name are, on the list. So how I'm are you have, at eating hot dogs? Are you astute? Are you a good hot dog eater? I'm a pretty good hot dog eater, but I got a kind of a you know I got a. You know, I got a pretty horrible gag reflex, oh. so I have a bad feeling. Like if I if I eat the like speed eating, like I could do like a volume eating. Like if it was like a just like a three hour show, sure. I you know I could probably put away a lot of hot dogs, but like speed eating, I think that's just a, ra- a recipe for uh, potentially for disaster. And it's a, you know it's in Pittsburgh, so there's going to be a lot of Midwestern comics, wow. a lot of comics I think that are going to be really adept at hot dog eating. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure how I'm going to fare. In that contest, I'm just, uh, you know, sometimes in comedy you deal with the, the, the cards that you're given. But this is, I mean, this theme shows like this are, are fun because you give us a chance to choose which ones we do. And I think it's it's stuff that really kind of challenges you as a performer. A hot dog eating contest, I'm not sure how. Well, you I sh- hope I don't get kicked off this festival. <laughs> because you won't, you're like, no, I no, I'm, 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 I'm fine with it. Look, I've done a, I've done a lot worse. Is it just the dogs or are there buns involved? It's totally uh, a different you style. You could do like the Kobayashi right? method where uh, he dips the, the, the dips bread in the water, water and mm-hmm. eats them separately. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what the rules exactly are of this hot dog eating contest. I guess I'll find out about it in the weeks to come. But uh, My favorite Kobayashi video is Kobayashi versus a bear. It's a black bear. Yes, and from the Man vs. Beast special on the Fox so Network back in the 2000s. Great. I love it. That was great. That was great. They also had a, 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 a marine versus an orangutan and an obstacle course. And man did not fare too well in that contest in Man versus Beast. I think Beast won most of the competition. I think the marine beat the orangutan in the obstacle course. We're talking about the early 2000s Fox special Man versus Beast. Kobayashi versus uh, a Kobayashi bear. versus a bear. A black bear. It's really easy to get in. Just come in. You can, they'll figure it out. They're smart kids. Um... Yay. Well, we're all, they, they made it. Ben Quick is alive. I can't believe it. He's an actual person. He exists. We've got is Willie Mays in the house. Willie Mays. We've got famous. Alex Jima Papa. Hey, guys, um, grab the microphones from the stage and then bring them closer over because those are the ones that are going to work. The whole Boston contingent is Just here, the- uh, fresh, fresh from Oakland. Or they were paying it. Oh, right. They, were, uh, they did a okay. show in Oakland. That's exciting. Uh, and we'll see, see how far you can make them, make them reach and we'll, uh, all talk together and it'll be fun times. 
Uh, awesome. So everyone's having, uh, these guys, we have a bunch of returning people. You should know Ben Quick and Alex Shumapapa uh, were here. That's right. Here in past years. They were on the second annual and they came back for the third. This is the third one, okay. This is the third one, yeah. So I'm surprised. I was really surprised how many people wanted to return. I was like, <laughs> you, you really want to come back to my, to my bullshit thing? So well, appreciate that. Fun. And we also, we enjoy bullshit things. Oh, yeah. good. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's good. the only festival I can walk on stage and just talk about my last 36 hours and have everyone love it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I work with these guys all over Maine. They come up and do like weird bar shows in like rural Maine. So it's like dumb bullshit here is uh, 10,000 times preferable to dumb bullshit in J Maine. Oh my god, yeah. Or I mean, like Westbrook or really? Bucksport or oh my god. Buckfield. I mean, we're always in bumfuck Maine. We're yeah. always in bumfuck Maine, man. Beat How far track. is it away? How far is it away, Maine? From Two hours to Portland, which is where Connor is, and then for some of the real fun shows, it's three, four hours. And the thing is, that the saddest part about that is the shows in bumfuck Maine are way better and more fun to do than most of the shows in Boston. Like, that's why we'll make those trips. Are, there, yeah, are they, do they, do they get audience? You guys get audience? It's because there's yeah, nothing because there's else nothing to do. Else to do. Yeah. Nothing that's else the thing. to do. It's the thing to do in town that night. So they really yeah. Everybody like it. that's like the big event for the for the for the month is like oh the comedians are coming up from Boston like yeah. Listen wow. <laughs> yeah they don't know you're not famous they have yeah. no idea no like no well, they just go here's a guy from a place you've heard of and everyone's yeah. like, amazing. <laughs> and these people are yeah it's like I, I did a, I uh, did a show in Buckfield Maine. <laughs> Once and some. That field sounds made up. Yeah, it's outside of some rural town. I think it's outside of Lewiston. And some guy, some guy was like, "I've been drinking since two o'clock, getting like getting like pre-gaming for this comedy show." <laughs> and then they set off fireworks right after the show in the parking lot. Really? Right after the show, I did a show where they were throwing glow sticks into trees during my set. Oh man! And during the headliner that? set, that was actually in Bumfuck, Pennsylvania, but it's the same exact vibe. There was like war vets who were like, "We used to do this in the military to mark our place for the people coming out." I don't know. They're like these like glow stick flares. You'd fling them into trees. That was going on during the headliner set, and these guys were like, yeah, we do this all the time, and they, they're missing limbs from fireworks. Like, so. You did uh, you did some shows like, like in some like random coal like mining towns in like Pennsylvania. You coal country, USA. Another that's, that's, uh, Boston comedian, Justin P. Drew, I feel Yeah, like. I got my start in Backwoods, Pennsylvania, and that is uh, a lot of fun if you love backwards people. It can, yeah, they, can be fun, they can be fun crowds sometimes. Yeah, but you know what? For, for comedians and, and people that never leave Boston or you know, whatever the respective city is, it's like, hey man, Portland. that yeah, that's it's good to get a look outside the bubble. Yeah, you exactly. have to, right? You, have you gotta to like be a realize what comedian, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, and and you discover things where like, dude, Portland, Maine is like my favorite place to do comedy, man. Portland, I love Boston, but yeah. Boston. Oh, here we go. I'm getting a seat. I was leaning over. I can barely bend at the waist. It wasn't a good idea. But yeah, man. I love uh, I love Portland, Maine so much. They let you be yourself, which right, is always right, right. nice. It's, it's kind of similar to San Francisco in a way. Right, exactly. It really is. Uh, same deal here where like people are like, all right, let's let's hear what this guy has to say regardless of who he is. Yeah. Whereas in Boston, it's like, we're going to hate you 98% of the time. Like, yeah, they're like real uptight. I oh, love Boston. I've been to Boston a couple times to do comedy and I've always loved it and I've always found audiences to be really nice and I was surprised I was like this is what is this so were you, were you in Boston or were you in Cambridge exactly I, the neighborhood is extremely neighborhoods matter in Boston yeah. I think really I was does. in I think I was in Cambridge there you yeah, go Cambridge is great I walked I remember walking because so I um, every year my best friend's a dermatologist and every year her dermatology conferences is in a different city so I'm the plus one yeah. so it was in Boston so we were in this really nice downtown you know 
know, hotel. And I did, you know, I walked all the way to this one place. And you have no happy hour. What is wrong with no, you? No, we don't have no, a lot of things. A lot of old weird laws in Boston. Like for, uh, until uh, recently, you couldn't get uh, liquor past noon on Sundays. Uh, liquor liquor stores uh, close at 11 o'clock every night. You cannot buy alcohol after 11 o'clock anywhere unless you're at a bar, which also closes at, at pretty much one. And uh, you couldn't buy booze and mass until on Sundays until 2003. It, I, is, it, is it because you guys are such drunken louts? You're just so crazy? You just want... They're trying like, to save I us from ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. it is. It's Because people are just... But see, in it's San Francisco, the, everyone's the, drunk, but they're vomiting on... The, is it vomit is the it's, problem? It's, or? the puritanical roots, yeah, right? The Puritans yeah. settled Massachusetts, and they were very like, you know, we are anti any substance, anti anything that isn't pure and God and all that shit. Yeah. And that kind of has set this history of Massachusetts being alcohol. both incredibly accepting socially, right. but also incredibly backwards when it comes to things like alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's by the fact that we're all alcoholics. It's that area, too, though. Connecticut, the liquor store closed at 9. I could do that. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, yeah Connecticut trying to keep is, us down. Yeah, Connecticut is lame as shit. Yeah. <laughs> Nine o'clock? Like, yeah. people in San Francisco don't even go out till like 11. Yeah. Like, why would you? <laughs> yeah, and I think Rhode Island is like 10. Yeah, so. Uh. Yeah. Does it help? Yeah. No. No, everyone's yeah. drunk anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Everyone's very Where there's rude. a will. <laughs> if you just let us do some things, we'd probably calm down a little bit. But it actually, uh, yeah, it incites some outside the box thinking. I went to college <laughs> in Connecticut, and we would make our liquor runs at noontime, and uh when we were underage, we, we used to put our booze in uh, laundry baskets and hoist them up with a rope, oh. you know, so we could get them up, uh, you know, uh, you know, to sneak them by security or whatever. So uh, it's like a, a MacGyver thing. I, I heard the best life hack today on your show from Brian Bixby saying that the way he got out of the DUI was saying, I'm going to kill myself. And then they take you straight to the psych ward so you don't get the DUI. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I was like, that is a fucking life hack. I wish I would have known 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, where, that's some out-of-the-box thinking. But it could be the I last gotta, life hack I, gotta, right now. I, I think I would, pro- honestly, I would be likely to discover that by accident if yeah. uh, I ever got pulled over. <laughs> well, there oh we go. Oh, my God. I mean, that is, a, that is a pretty good life hack. How was the DUI show this year? That it was, was my fun. favorite one last year. I, I mean, I I love, I, I have my own DUI yeah, stories, which yeah, is why we have great. that show. I, I mean, it's... It's the DUI is the reason I had moved to San Francisco ten years ago. Was yeah, I lost my license and I couldn't. I couldn't drive. I couldn't drive in San Diego. It was a driving town, and I was mm-hmm. like, I have to move. I was going to either move to New York or San Francisco, and I didn't know Boston had such a good public transit system. Otherwise, they would have been on my list. Who told yeah. you it was a good, a good public, public transit? Yeah, that's, that's a lie. I've been there and I've used it's it. Right. It's a little that's confusing, right. but cool. you've got you can get kind of everywhere. Well, we have the red line, and the red line isn't terrible. Uh, but everything else is terrible. Red Line exploded it's- a week ago and shrapnel hit passengers, so I'm not sure where you're getting your information, Alex. <laughs> Out of all of our T-systems. I grew up on the Green good. Line, and it's so slow. I actually uh, I missed uh, the train one time, and I ran, outran it to the next stop. Holy <laughs> fuck, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I've chased, I chase buses all the time in San Francisco. Yeah. It's the only time I run anymore is chasing buses. <laughs> I get about, I can do about five blocks, and if I haven't caught it, it's like, I just, I gotta, I gotta smoke. <laughs> I gotta smoke a bowl. Hold on, I'll get the next one. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's good when you can get around a city easily. Boston isn't that hard to get around, though. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it's tiny small. as well. Yeah. It's just yeah. hard to navigate. They were really drunk when they paved the roads, apparently. I think they, <laughs> I think they paved the roads and looked at what they did and went, all right, no more booze after 11. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's no streets in Boston where it's like 19th Ave, 20th Ave. You know, there's no organization. Right, it's like a circle, and then there's like roundabouts. Well, the South Boston, I mean, which is like Alphabet City. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, so Southie is uh, organized in such a fashion, but. yeah, yeah, there's but, three yeah. neighborhoods in but Boston there's like that were 10 problems that, that outweigh that. You know? <laughs> that are yeah. made on land? Landfill, yeah. Oh. Three different neighborhoods south. He's one of them, Back Bay and uh, Eastie. Uh, basically, they put down the, the where the airport is. It was built with landfill. They filled in the bay, and they filled in the area with artificial land after the city was made. So those, they were smart enough to make grids. But unless you're in one of those three areas, the city's just a fucking, like, someone threw down spaghetti on a plate and went, all right, it's yeah, it's fine. I love how you're teaching us about Boston history, and you're from Syracuse. Yeah, New York. I, I worked at Boston Duck Tours, which is like the tourist company there that everyone has to do when they're in Boston for like for oh, yeah. two years that I'll never get back. <laughs> so also, I have to at least take something from it. Connor, do you jerks off to maps? Do you yeah. go down? You go down to Boston a lot too. Does it go both ways, or oh, do you? Yeah. They just yeah, come yeah, up yeah, to you. Know, we get Boston comics almost every. Yeah, it's it's a pretty. Yeah, we've had Connor down on. Uh, yeah, but you shows. you travel a lot. You've been in a bunch. Of, you've got upcoming festivals and. Yeah, I, I do Boston about twice a month at wow. least, and then yeah. I do other places. You know, randomly, I'm uh, Burning Bridges in Pittsburgh next month and. Cool. Portland's one of Montreal my best. And yeah, man. Oh, you're doing a bunch of great shit. Well, uh, Montreal, it, it, cool. Yeah. The reason yeah. you travel to Portland too as a comic is uh, in Portland because there's fewer comics. In Boston, there's so many comics. Every show you get on is here's your five, here's your seven, here's your seven, here's right. your seven. In Portland, I'll get up there you do 15 20 minute spots because a they, they these guys know we just drove two and a half hours they right. may not right, right. make it worth their time and b they're not going to get 15 comics on a lineup no, and the, the people that stay in boston and don't do comedy outside boston those comics are really funny but sometimes you'll be yelling at being surprised to realize that yeah they got to do 15 minutes and the comic will be like uh, I, I have my seven yeah that's all that's they've all... worked on and if you travel you learn how to stretch and that's you part of why we drive to yeah. learn how to and and that involves growing pains like you know yeah. like you know for some yeah like First time I ever got to do a half hour, I had to drive to, uh, I can't even name the town in New Hampshire. But it, it wasn't even like racist southern New Hampshire. It was like bed and breakfast mid-New Hampshire. Oh, it's like, so yeah. hard to do jokes for the people that are like, when you're at, when they're so... Uh, and that's the thing, though. I don't know too. if it's the money. Like, I don't know if it's like, yeah, hoity toity. I don't know if money makes people too uptight to hear abortion jokes. But boy, did I. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just. It doesn't. Not only that, you grow up in a city. You're conditioned to write jokes about living in that city. So when you hit the road, like you yeah, have yeah. to drop those jokes. Right. And but it's a good challenge, and it's like, all right, now you need to think outside the box here a little, and you're you kind of lose a lot of your weapons. But that's a good thing. Like, sure. You know, oh, totally, man. It'll challenge you. you well, yeah. Or if if your materials like if. It's a real judge of is it strong enough to translate to people who won't directly relate to it. You know right. what I mean? It's like, can I bring them into my world a little bit here? Um, and there's certain things to drop and different stuff you have to explain, but if it works everywhere, then you, you got a joke there. Sure. Well, I don't like to give people, uh, at my Friday showcase, I never give people less than 10. Yeah, because I figure, like, if you can't do 10, I shouldn't be booking you for a showcase. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, you should easily be able yeah. to do 10 minutes. <laughs> but And the flip side of that, 10 is about as long as you're going to see on any show in the city of Boston right huh. now, unless yeah. you are the oh, headliner. Yeah. I mean, most shows are going to be, here's seven comics all doing 10, and the guy who closes, the girl who closes, they get to do 15. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, right, that's, right, right. Congrats. Well, but that's the other thing is that audiences don't, they, I think that the sweet spot is like hour 25 minutes, no intermission. Yeah. Right. I agree. So I that's the time of, so I do doing 50 minute shows here just cause it's easy on the hour. But once you start getting up to two hours oh, and no. you don't want to give them, I used to give them a break in the middle. I used to have a smoke break, but then I'd lose people. No, yeah, yeah, cause nah. once they're outside smoking a cigarette, then I'm like, okay, it's time to go back in. And they're like, 
yeah, we're going to the fucking bar. And I'm like, ah, so it was a thing where I was like, uh, do I make shorter shows? Do I, I, what I just figured is book the funniest people, give them the most time, always book less people than you think you need. Because well, I can always get people last minute, like any Yahoo, any, you know, yeah. fuck bag oh, can do. And, and Pam, yeah. Pam, you may not know this, but we came out here last year, Alex and I, we were like, one of the things that we took away from this experience was these 50 minute shows are really cool. Yeah. And, and yeah. the idea that you keep it short, and we, we started doing shows together over the summer that we've now have a number of rooms in Boston, and that's one of the philosophies we took is let's aim for 60 to 70 minutes with yeah, what we book. Yeah. Knowing that you're probably going to bleed. Someone's going to need a guest spot. Someone's going to light. The host exactly. is going to do extra time. Yep. Sure. You're going to end up at 75, 80, but we try to book like on paper when I drop that line up with how much time everyone's supposed to be doing, we're writing down a 60-minute show, and that was something we really took away from Mutiny that's been successful. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, it's, it's, it's what the audience is. It's just audiences get bored, yeah. and they like comedy. I think that people actually do like comedy, and getting them to come see it once they do, but I think they're worried that like, oh, what if there is a stinker? You know, like yeah. if yeah. you've got... And then well, you and there have been bad comedy shows. Like I know people in Boston that book shows that should not exist because every week. <laughs> no, but every I won't talk. I won't name names. I won't name, name names. Name the names. They're not I'm, listening. I'm, I'm yes, not naming man. the names, but but look uh, at you hide out. The, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> move, move to the side, baby. Talking no, about. I'm, just I'm talking about Sunday, Beacon man. Street and Red Bones for the record. Beacon and Chris Street. Chris is mad too for the record. Beacon Street and Red Bones. Both those places shouldn't exist. Both those places are every week. Fifty people show up to watch comedy 10 stick to the end of the show and the other 40 will never come back to a live comedy performance. Oh no, they're I totally I like both of them. They're walking yeah. them. Well, I think they have the potential to be excellent. I think the quality of shows is so poor it hurts the brand of comedy. Physically right. inching away from Ben. Well, no, it's I will fight you. <laughs> huh? I hear the food's good at Redbones. Oh, oh it's it amazing. I'll, oh. Get, I'll, I'll go. No, but I'll um, get on that lineup first. But that's a parallel uh, to everything in life. Uh, the Ramones, you know, like you used to say, they only played like, you know, 90 second songs and only did 90 minute concerts because they're like, hey, people have lives to lead. Like, you yeah. know, you yeah. don't keep them any longer than you have to. Yeah. And, and they said that in the 80s. And think about that in, like, a, you know, social media era where, sure. you know, it's hard not to look at your phone every two minutes. So, yeah, uh, keep a show as tight as, as you can. Absolutely. Uh, I was going to ask you guys about if you – there's bad comics everywhere, but when the, the room gets rocked right before your set – has that ever happened to anybody? You mean like they when, do really well? No, no, the room gets walked. Like, oh, so walk. I, oh, yeah. Oh, this was, I did, so I, got, I practiced my outfit. You weren't here tonight. I was in my underwear, and I have this outfit or whatever that I was wearing. Oh, and I, I practiced there. it. He was there. So I was wearing it two weeks ago. At, there's a show on Saturday nights called The Sweet Spot, and it's at the Crazy Horse, which is a strip club. And it's a 12.30 p.m., 12.30 a.m. show. And I get there, and I've got my shoes and my Stephen Curry socks, and I'm ready to get all naked in front of the strippers, and I'm super excited. And they put up a guest set before me. Wow. No. And he walked the entire room. <laughs> like, So then I get up to do my set and take my clothes off, and I had to take them off for everyone I knew just comedians there were no actual audience <laughs> oh members God. and I was like do I really I now I'm now I have to, I was like well I guess I gotta practice for the festival or whatever and see if this outfit works but it was like super bummer because I was like dude yeah and then he walked himself it was like a 360 of walking yeah. like he walked <laughs> the whole room and then he left and I was like you aren't even gonna watch me take my clothes himself. off he, he walked, walked himself, himself. So he was like, it was like it was this weird like full circle moment where I was just 
just like, you're a dick. Yeah. We have a thing, we have a spot and it's called cleanup crew. So you got, you got bullet and you got your closer and you got cleanup crew. And cleanup crew is a very important spot because it's the one that goes after the comic who you're like, ah, they're probably gonna tank this. Like we know who yeah. this guy is. We know who he is. And you have a high risk, smoke yeah. too, if you just want to do that, man. Here, I just couldn't find a person. Oh, no worries. I'm eating an edible currently. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it Take goes both ways, right? Because if somebody bombs and they don't walk the room, I love that. I love following that because I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it because I know that I'm going to be energetic and I can be engaging. And at the very least, by virtue of, like, bringing energy back, I might be able to bring them back. The flip side of that, I've seen it where uh, I've had the room walked on me at Beacon. That's not as I'm talking shit about him. I watched <laughs> three people before me walk the entire crowd. I went up to ten people left from the back of the room, and I just went right for my A stuff. I wasn't even going to want to do it that night, but I was like, let me see what I can make out of these guys. Sure. I was with my guitar. I went right into the the, the, the song. Funny that, song. Know, that funny song. That song was to, so funny. And I, uh, they just sort of like listened to my concert. Wow. And I was staring at this like you guys know I'm good at this, right? Like, and, and, and not even that I'm, yeah. but like objectively oh, that song works, and it didn't. There was like there was nothing I was gonna do to convince these people that anyone left on the show was gonna be funny right. because they had just decided this sucks. And they were already they were in the back. They were on their phones. They were there pretty much because they were too polite to leave. Oh. And so you're going, oh, now this person walks the room, but the person people left have also given up on the show. They just haven't walked out yet. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy thing because honestly, the issues with those producers is the fact that they're putting other comedians in front of audience, right? So they have these like. 15 guys that they just can't say no to. Right, I, I, that's my biggest problem as a booker. Is like, oh, it's, it's like, so I don't, and especially Portland's such a small town, so yeah. it's like, it's like, oh man. I'm gonna see them this week. Yeah. And it's always like, hey, I saw your message. I know it wasn't marked as red because I'm terrified to yeah. open up messages and then have a reply ready immediately. Also, yeah. I just told you no three times. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. It's, uh, but it sucks because you really do have to be the bad guy for the sake of the show. Oh, comes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, and people, I, and then you're, then it's like, well, that's my reputation, man. Like if you, yeah. and especially if you're the only booker in town and or you got the show yeah, and then yeah. you do a stinker, people are going to be like, uh, I mean, everyone knows when there's a stinker on stage and yeah, then you're yeah. like, why did they, but if they well, brought half the, the comic audience. That, the, the comic themselves sometimes. <laughs> sure. That's oh, the funniest yeah. part. Del delusion some, is some, a some, wild like, thing. Well, and I, mediocre I, comics are. It's, it's how deluded you are. Some comments like, can I close Lincoln's? I'm like, you haven't had a good eight minutes set. <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln's like. I'm shut I'm, up. That was supposed to be between us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wonder, I wonder all the time if, if like I am fooling myself or that like you know like it's like am I just a mediocre shitty comic and right. and then I'm like but I think I'm still second guessing myself because I'm trying to grow and change my material and you know right. the weird thing also like being me. that you kind of have to like not second guess yourself in order to be in a place where you're never that's second the guessing problem yourself, you know Right, it's but I don't want to be delusional. My problem is if I don't second guess myself, I don't want to be that delusional person that's like, I am so good at this, and then and I'm like, it's not. And when someone says that, usually kills, and I'm like, don't tell the audience yeah. that. Don't blame <laughs> the audience for you not delivering it right now. It is not their fault. Yeah. But I've it's definitely seen the flip side of that. Sometimes I'm the opposite. I go out of my way to make sure that I'm not delusional. So I'm always trying to be like, okay, how did this set work, and what parts did I fuck up? And I end up just focusing on the negatives to the point that Absolutely. I don't. I, I I sell myself short and I don't take opportunities and I don't market myself and I don't do the things that I should be doing because I don't want to be, make the mistake of appearing delusional and so I end up being the opposite effect where now I'm overly hard on myself, I'm overly critical and, and as a result, the people that get somewhere are the people that have the confidence just to go for it right. and, it's and they don't look bastards. back. And some of the best comics uh, from a Boston standpoint, I can't speak to every city in general, um, 
Some of the best comics I know have no social media presence at all. It's crazy, and it's a major and, issue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, no yeah. but I mean, uh, Bulger won't care because he said yeah. it himself. I mean, well, Bulger Dan will Bo- never listen to this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Bulger, yeah. we give away your social security yeah. number on this podcast. Be yeah. like, ah, well, you know, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so uh, uh, for context, Dan Bulger, who is arguably the best stand-up comic in Boston, um, it's it's yeah. absurd how good this dude is. It, it, definitely Dan Bulger. Uh, yeah. Uh, Doug Fitzgerald and uh, yeah, D- uh, Doug's a close Sam Mike. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Dan Bulger. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people feel like social media is integral to to your brand. Uh, Dan Boulder, who and he's also been on, you know, he's two late night sets. He has, you know, a ton of credits, everything, as funny as anyone, and never tweets, never goes on Facebook. And he was on a podcast one time, and someone was like, "How come you never post anything?" And he goes. I got into this business so I wouldn't have to type, and I just yeah. thought that was the like the the most brilliant thing I ever heard. But the flip yeah. side of that is Dan Bolger is probably one. Of, this guy that we're talking about, Dan Bolger, is probably one of the funniest people I've ever seen perform comedy live. If Absolutely. you talk about a comic in Boston, I will sit and stay for a headlining set of yeah. it's Dan Bolger, even though I've heard most of his jokes, yeah. and yeah. yet he's still in Boston. And he's still doing what he's doing. And he's successful in Boston because everyone there knows he's amazing. Yeah. But you wonder what his career could be if he was doing those things. Because he, the guy is probably one of the best comedians in the country if he was d- out there after it. But yeah. he's really just sort of let everything come to him yeah. by virtue of being so talented. He doesn't have to reach out for work. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, don't, I couldn't live without Facebook. Everything, this entire station is run off Facebook. Mm-hmm. And now it's like a dying algorithm or whatever. I don't tweet or twat. Instagram. I don't, I don't, Insta- I don't even know. We have an Instagram? I just I have it. a dumb phone. <laughs> do you, do my He's got phone, a Blackberry, yo. Jesus, my phone, no, drugs? it's not even, no, my phone doesn't even connect to the internet. All this does is <laughs> call and text. And people keep telling me, like, um, you really need to, here's the thing, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get wait, technology. Wait, Pam Benjamin, you do not own a smartphone. No, of course not. Good for you. Okay. Me. Honestly, man, I like that's, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. 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 I, I don't have a smartphone. As, <laughs> that's incredible. As Connor and Chris both have social media open yeah. right now, I, dude, I delete. No, it's all right. It's, it's all right. Okay. My bad. Oh, you got so you mad. Oh, the little beard, the little beard, the little beard can. That joke is so funny. The beard, the your Coors Light come to life. So far, Bud Light. Oh, is it a Bud Light you. or a Coors Light? Uh, well, Light. I, I switch it up. You switch oh, okay. it up. Okay, yeah, it's both. Okay, good. Oh, you did Coors Light. Um, but you but just did that too. You were like a Bud Light yeah. grown to life. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. Thanks. No, but it's weird to like say in this climate, like, you know, like, because, you know, doing comedy and like even coming up last night and like I was like, hey, I'm, I'm a comic from Boston. And, like I could see a couple of people like, okay, really? Yeah. And, it, and it's so funny, like in the most open-minded city in the world, and Boston is, is there too. It's like, you know, you, you can be trans, you can you, you can marry anyone. You, you know, I'm all for all human rights. I will never judge you, but. You have a military crew cut, and you look like a dick. (laughs) (laughs) You must be a shit bag. Well, I was just telling uh, uh, Ben and Willie the story earlier where, um, so we were going to our Airbnb, me and Chris, and uh, the passcode wasn't working, and it was it was raining, it was pouring rain. So we run across the street and we hide out in this Korean church, right? And this dude, this dude comes out and he looks at us and he goes, "Oh." You two must be here for the sobriety meeting. <laughs> Welcome. And we realized that me and Chris just look like we're there yeah. because we're addicted yeah. to drugs. Yeah. And we were like, we were like, no, 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 we're just hiding out real quick. We have nothing to do. And he goes, 
Okay, well, we'll be in there when you yeah. need us. Like, wow, <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah. When you're ready, when you're ready for cessation, you come yeah. to okay, us. Sure, like, we need no sobriety problem. and Jesus and yeah, everything. Oh, my God, yeah. Wouldn't kill us. Very high. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a humbling moment. Yeah, Absolutely. Without a doubt. <laughs> well, but Chris, that's also what makes your comedy so interesting and funny is that you really play a lot off of that you're not what you look like kind of persona. Oh, you, thanks, and that's man. it's kind of fun for you. So you can you plays off that well. Yeah, yeah you look like, like a fucking piece. Of you look shit. like yes. you look <laughs> like Henry Rollins. You look like Henry Rollins' first son or something. Like the one that he doesn't like the bastard son of Henry Rollins before like he had a real like he was like he's not he's not my he's, oh, he's not Chris my son. isn't showing it because he's a Henry Rollins type but the fact that you just compare him to Henry Rollins, he's rocking a chub. Eyes on your own page, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) That is the dream comparison. Really? Uh, He's an excellent poet, poet, that Henry Rollins. We were talking about Henry Rollins' workouts this morning. Oh, my God, are you kidding? Only squats and deadlifts. Did you know that? Wow. That is manly. (laughs) I know, I know. I would like to find out that he's gay in the future. That would be amazing. That would, like, blow my mind. Is there a rumor? Seriously? I heard it was more A. Is gay or asexual, yeah. Yeah. I've heard that uh, sexuality is a spectrum. Yes, (laughs) you shit lords. It's fucking... That was the best last night. We were doing a piano fight. Oh, uh, cool. Whose show? It was, uh, uh, is it Joseph or Joseph Annalyn? Oh, Joseph Annalyn, yeah. Joseph, okay. And so um, we were doing the show, and he asked, uh, is anyone in the audience gay? And Willie kind of went like, woo! And like, he was like, oh, are you gay? Are you just like messing around? And Willie just goes, well, sexuality's a spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, only in fucking SF, man. Absolutely, this is so funny. that's very... Such a... I lo- also, what I love about uh, uh, comedy here is that all the interactions between the comedians and the audience are, like, friendly. Yeah. Like, just, it's so combative in Boston. You're just yeah. arguing with people. Really? Yeah, it's nuts. Oh, yeah. what, did you, how was your Comedy Oakland show tonight? Comedy oh, it was Oakland. amazing. Yeah, it was Good. super fun. Was super it, was fun. it uh, upstairs at the Thai place? Spice Monkey. Yeah, yeah. Spice yes. Monkey. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. sold it out, and I mean, Alex and I each got five. They had a ton of comics on, and it was like, but the, the five was that was one of the best fives I've like had as far as how much fun I had doing it. Cool. Like, yeah, it, was it was like, like a, this was really cool. It's like a comedy club up there. It's like it's it's a low ceiling, and they pack it all in, kind of like in here, man. It's like if you get the acoustics right, stand up is killer. <laughs> you know, stand up. There's a lot of ways to fuck it up. There's a lot of ways, oh. but if you have a loose environment and a good vibe. And it's a packed-in place with a bunch of people. You're great. You know, it's the 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 physicality of rooms is sort of an underrated aspect, I think. Um, you know? Oh, absolutely. That cannot be underrated. I that's, mean, uh, tight room, and that's what's made this room. This makes this room so effective is the intimacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, you know, I mean, you couldn't have the hottest lineup in the world, but if it's like some long narrow room and you got a hundred seats and you only sold twenty ceilings, yeah, yeah, I would take yeah. this, you know. Cool. I'll take an enthused 10 people over a semi-board 50 any day. Every, yeah. every day. Yeah. Well, and sometimes it's so difficult. I've done shows at, like, big theaters where it's, like, a 300-seat theater, and there's 40 people there. Oh, yeah. But they don't all sit up in the front. They sit sort of yeah, sit everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you fucking idiots. There what was you? A, there was a room. You guys ever do Twin River Casino? This was, like... So they had a they had a room there for a while, and uh, the Booker's a super nice guy, and like the Saturday nights are killer. They're fucking awesome. They pack it in every single time. It's 150 seats, and then the Fridays, for whatever reason, are like really light. 
were like they were like suspiciously light uh and so, it was as if like someone had sent out a threat and they were like if you show up to this comedy club on fridays we will fucking kill you <laughs> so you host for the whole weekend of course so i would go and you have to do 20 clean up front and um clean yeah oh yeah. fuck i know right yeah. i know <laughs> i do uh, i do a lot of clean gigs they pay you, the have tw- you could do 20 yeah. minutes of clean oh yeah you I could do 20 that. minutes of you, clean yeah you just have to take yeah. out the swear words but well, I mean, like, do you I have can, to be I conceptually can, clean? Because like all of my jokes are like. Depends on which direction. The thing is, like, you start to realize that uh, so much stuff is clean. So so many topics are clean, yeah. and it's there's a there's a temptation from comics to delve into something that's maybe edgy. But if the priority is just to be like silly or funny, and I have plenty of dirty shit too that I also, prefer to do, frankly. But you know, if you're like hosting and you're opening a show, yeah. it's great. And so this this. We'll jump back to this for sure. But uh, so this place at Twitter River, uh, I remember once I was hosting there years ago. And again, it's really turned around and stuff. It's great now. But uh, there were eight of 150 seats filled. Scattered everywhere. And they're like, all right, go do your 20. And I was like, I was talking to the dude. And I was like, hey, what's the minimum? And he goes, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, no. And so (laughs) I go up and, you know, you spend like a minute setting up a joke. And then you do the joke. And someone just goes, huh. And you just have to keep going. It's like, it's crazy. And, Eight uh, I, people. Yeah, I remember a woman pulled out her phone and started Facebook living <gasps> <laughs> my performance. And I was like, this is the wrong time. Yeah. Um, but it was just like, it was a crazy thing because we maintained a vibe. And I remember like at first it was very weird. And it feels like it's bad to the comic because you want that explosion of laughter. But mm. sometimes if you just look at their faces and they're like smiling and nodding, they're having a pretty decent time. Yeah. yeah. They walked out of there going, hey, that was really fun. Thank you. And like, maybe they were lying. I don't know. Yeah. But overall. <laughs> the other thing I want to say too, Pam, to the point about working clean, I think it's like, you know how in like the 70s, it wasn't okay to be openly racist. So we started this whole dot. Well, it became like not okay anymore. Like we had the time where we could and then All we in the family was so all the politicians started doing the dog whistle racism stuff where they said all this racist stuff by inferring what they meant without actually openly saying racist things. So they'd be like, you know, people who live in certain areas are lazier. And they're like, well, that area has to be a black area. <laughs> but like, no, I it's the same the thing. Mexicans are lazy. Not right. But I guess what I'm saying is it's the same <laughs> thing with dirty, right? You can, you can be dog whistle dirty and it becomes funnier. So like I have a, I had a joke where I did, uh, you know, I got tested for a sleep study and the joke was the guy told me you're going to be on camera. And I was like, ah, I get it. I won't masturbate. Eh. And uh, that's more or less the joke. But I did that joke in a church. And, and I set that down. It's supposed to be completely clean. And the guy says, uh, you know, hey, you don't even have cameras. I don't do anything. And I said, and I knew what he meant. But since we're in a church, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and everyone knew where I was going, and I got a huge laugh. You can, you can just, by just letting people know, hey, we know what I'm doing here, right? But you don't right. say it. You can get away with it still, and it's still funny. There's yeah. a show in a church here. Uh, it doesn't have to be clean, but it's down the street. It's on Fridays before my show. It's like 6.30 or whatever, and there's a vegan meal before it, whatever. But <laughs> every time I do that show, I do all my Jesus jokes all of them. Yeah. Just all I do is talk about God and how ridiculous <laughs> the Bible is and like feminism in the Bible. And I just, I'm like, I am in a church. I love doing this in a church. It just makes me so happy to make fun of Jesus. Yeah. Well, it's also a cool vibe where like, uh, it's like, ooh, this is a naughty thing we shouldn't be doing in a church, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's like, one of my favorite rooms in New England is Stone Church. Ow, the, oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, Josh Day runs it, man. And it, yeah. it's a renovated church they turned into a rock club, basically. Cool. And they do a stand-up show there. And it's so cool because it's just like, we're sinning so bad tonight, you know? <laughs> uh, but it's it's super fun, and again, it speaks to that thing where if it, the, the comedy is really all about the vibe, 
you know, yeah. in order for it to be effective. Like, you can lay out the jokes, but if you're not in the right place and they're not in the right place, it won't hit. Right. Um, but if you, if it's a, I like being stowed away in a place where it's like, this is a secret. Just like Connor's room. Connor's room in Portland, you oh, have to man. fucking walk through a wall. But isn't it, you're the comedy co-op? What's your thing about? I saw that you run a group yeah, of people. Yeah, the comedy co-op. I mean, Lincoln's, obviously. Yeah, Yeah. Lincoln's is our main hub. And uh, it's a group of comedians uh, in Portland that runs shows throughout Southern Maine. And I'm currently the head of the Portland Comedy Co-op. I took it over last July, and we just produce shows. And we have a certain kind of brand of comedy that kind of trying to um, defy some of the... (laughs) Stereotypes of Maine comedy, trying yeah. try to like bring smart comedy. Not because everyone knows everything about Maine comedy. I've well, never even like heard. I'm like, they're funny yeah, up yeah, there. There's a, a, a picture someone from Maine and they're missing a ton of teeth. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. There, yeah, there's a lot of Boston bookers, uh, older Boston bookers, younger ones like Alex and Ben, and mm-hmm. are pretty open-minded. But there's like older Boston bookers that are like, I don't want to book uh, Maine comics because it's like redneck humor. They, it's yeah, like, huh. it's perceived as like kind of redneck humor because. I mean, it's the uh, deep south of the far north. I, it, yeah. it really is. I, the farther yeah, north the you get, the, the farther south you go. That's the, the thing with this is, yeah. okay. I know very little about Maine, but mm. these are my preconceptions. Um, everyone eats lobster. Yes. The, the, is, the, I mean, beach shores, the beach shores are rocky, and the bonfires in the springtime are amazing. Right? Rocky beach beaches? Are rocky. I don't know about bonfires in the springtime. Bonfires I can in the vouch springtime. for upstate New York having the bonfires. That's yeah. all I grew up doing. I've had some bonfires in Maine. And, and they're not like, they but yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not like a racist bonfire. It's not like there's crosses <laughs> on fire. It's like it's a bonfire. Honestly, it's, a main, it's probably a racist bonfire. Yeah, it could be a racist in, bonfire. Depending on how far up the coast. <laughs> I, I, thought, I just thought that everyone vacations in Maine and they all live, on, they all live in cute little houses on ponds. Over the like, summer, yeah. But then the wintertime comes around and New England's a very different hard, place. Yeah. yeah. Is it part of New England? England? Is yeah. Maine part of so, New England? So New England is Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. That is really, a lot really, of people really who like the Patriots. Like you know what? That's why fuck the Patriots. Because they have so many states that get to be for their team. Yep. We've got like, we've, that's, that's insane. Well, one, you're welcome for Jimmy Garoppolo. But second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> but also. <laughs> that's going to be the best team you've had since Steve Young retired. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, well, it's 49. funny because a lot, of, a lot of New Englanders like, outside of Boston, they're sick of the Patriots too. A ton of Connecticut is Giants fans. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, and then and then once you get up to Maine and Vermont, they don't give a shit at all. You know, we were doing that's shows up true. there during playoff <laughs> games. I had a room with 20 people during a playoff game. And 20 people show up is a miracle, but that's a room that usually sells out. They definitely, they, they give a shit. Here, here's that the, was in uh, Rumford, Rumford, Maine. That was, huh, uh, Mar- yeah, Mar- Mark took out room. Game. I guess they knew we had that one in the bag. You just must be a draw, Alex. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> so. Here's the thing about Tom Brady. I think that Tom Brady is really missing out an opportunity to make money. I don't understand why he doesn't have sperm banks all up and down the entire <laughs> East Coast. Like, why wouldn't you want like he only has five kids fuck you tom brady you should have two hundred thousand children he could save the world with his super sperm like what is he doing well, he's he totally does. doing the wrong what, so he, he should be constantly jizzing yeah. Yeah, wait, wait, well yeah that will we'd have a, it'd be a he new one that he just Aryan sends a check to that's way too many kids to kiss on the lips too yeah. you know what I, mean? yeah. I, I just think that they should hook him up like a cow to like some kind of machine and just constantly pump his jizz and then put it they don't need a women. machine they have every fan of the patriots yeah they're already if you're not gay for tom brady you're gay dude 
Like, you know what I mean? That's like the whole, that's like the whole thing. You're not gay for Tom Brady. You're a, you're a wicked fag. Is that what, what it is? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wicked, yeah, but you know, but here's the thing. Wicked is not an adjective. It's an adverb, and everyone misuses it. Huh. So you don't, people will, you know, so it's not like, uh, like they were going to pitch a show in Boston that was called Wicked Summer. And that's what you, you would say. You wouldn't say that. You'd say it's a wicked hot summer. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. wicked hot, wicked dark, wicked bad, wicked good, you know. Sure. Um, it's hella. It's it's our hella. You yeah, it's your hella. hella. You wouldn't say it's a hella summer, but you'd say it's oh, a hella hot summer. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's exactly the same way you guys yeah, use hella. we have hella. a San Francisco burrito place called Hella Good. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we'd have wicked good in Boston for sure. Is it, but is it is it a good burrito? Is it a real burrito? It's have you place. had the burritos here? I haven't yeah. had. I was uh, not yet. I had a torto. But yeah, you gotta so, go so, for the. I gotta go get a Dude, the Mexican food out here is fucking incredible compared to what we have. We yeah. have Chipotle. You oh know, it's God. Like, uh, it's oh, man. all. All of the food here is better than what you have in Boston. Boston really doesn't have. Great no, except food. for pizza. Yeah, Ben. Pizza right. we do better than the. Step the better. fuck out of here because the I Italian food you. and the roast beef places in New England are fucking incredible. Those are actually yeah. okay. North yeah, and Italian. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what you want to do there. However. But as a whole. Yeah. Most of the other genres of food are pretty mediocre. We got good bagels. No, we bagels. don't. Fuck you. Now no, you no, step you, the fuck out of here. Right and I will take you to Long Island, New York. Go to the right neighborhood. <laughs> Wake up. All right. Go to Newton. All right. I've been to Newton. One place. Ro- uh, uh, what's the right in Newton Center? Rosenfeld. That place is that good. Was my that's first it. Job. It's called that's it. How do you yeah. think that's a bad that's bagel? It. It's called that's Rosenfeld. I said that's the only good bagel in Boston. Like bagel style. Ben's an anti Semite. I think that's I'm very pro Semite. Long Island's full of Jews who make great bagels. I can put. I can make bagels with weed in them. Oh man! Yeah. Oh man! I feel like you can make anything. With I can weed, make anything man. with weed. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, oh, I do enjoy man. weed food. Best bagel I had. Here's a semi-hot take. I think the best bagels are the Montreal. <laughs> semi-hot take because there are a lot of defenders. The Montreal yeah. bagels. No shit. I like the Montreal bagels because they're sweet. It's different uh, than a New York bagel. They are actually. Yeah, yeah, I've had them. I like know exactly what you're saying. Bagel. It's its own it's style. Very good. It's different. It's yeah. like hard to compare with like a New York yeah. bagel. It's also, a different thing, but it's like. Really good. Also, Pam, you call them toasted bagels if you make them with weed. Oh, right. Yo, I always like to come up with cheeky little names for things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, for for pot foods, I make... um, I make potka and pisky. Neither of that sounds any good, but it's. You <laughs> I got take, you pasta and. But potka, potka and pisky are whiskey and vodka with weed infused. So it's very easy. That's good. Dan so Crone has a joke where he lists all his favorite pot foods. His favorite is pot pot pie. <laughs> <laughs> I can make pot pot pie. But do you? Um, you guys, you're legal in Massachusetts now, sort right? Of. Sort of. It's a weird situation. It's not. Like us now, we're recreational. You can just it is technically all right. It's legally here's where we get to the weird dumb laws in Massachusetts, (laughs) where all the people are liberal. We get it. We're educated. The weed isn't bad. Okay, we need it. Frankly, it's good for the economy too. However, (laughs) uh, so they legalized weed. However, it's up to the politicians to let uh, retail happen. So right now, get this: in Massachusetts, you can own 12 ounces in your home. What? I thought it was a fucking typo on the ballot, dude. It's unbelievable. But you can have 12 ounces. 12 However, ounces. it's not legal to have a store. You can't have a store where you buy it. There's medicinal ones that I go to. Sure. Um, but you can legally grow weed. You can give weed to people. However, you cannot sell weed. So if I were to hypothetically sell weed to someone, I would have to hand them a Ziploc bag with an eighth in it. And I'd say, I'm selling you the Ziploc bag for $40. There happens to be weed inside of it. Well, couldn't you be? Couldn't you be like, you should donate. That also for 
Marijuana. Oh, we've thought of it. That's Don't okay. worry. So we, uh, Alex and I run a show right now called High Performance, and it's a basement show. Yeah, there's and, one tonight. Uh, there was one tonight. It went really well. We have a friend of ours that also runs shows that was there running it without us. Uh, the whole yes, premise is the, o- the audience smokes weed before the show, and the comics all get high as they try to perform, and they probably perform high, which some comics we book can do that well. Some can't, and that's I why it's no problem with so we dab. Oh, we've seen. Dab? There's been yeah. some bad sets. My first time on there, I was terrible for about five minutes till I real till I remember where I was, and then I kind of pulled out of it. Uh, but yeah. Liam McGurk is one of the best at it. But one time he took like a month off of weed, oh, and yeah. he like he chose that night to come back. But, yeah, and he's well. He it was funny because he got the biggest laughs of the night, and we, me and Ben, were both in the green room. We're like, "What did he say?" I didn't even hear the joke. Turns out he false started multiple times. Never like, said a word. Like there he was, was no joke. The mic and his mouth wouldn't move properly, oh, and he was no. like, "Ah, oh, fuck, let me start over." And it was just killing. So, but anyways, for that show, our whole model is we ask for a ten dollar donation in quotes. Yeah. And then we give you weed. Sure. So if you want to come, we ask you donate. It's the you know it's the same way you'd, you'd do it if you don't have a liquor license or something like that. You'd say, hey, if you'd like to give us money, that'd be great. By the way, there's already weed here. Right. That's a and I mean, people pay. Sure. Loopholes, baby. We have to operate within loopholes, but it's crazy because we shouldn't have to. No, we know, shouldn't. We have voted to. for this and. Right. And Damn you, it, this is America. Also, also, been produ- I've, having produced that show for a while now, uh, we have 50 people in a basement for it every month, and those 50 people are the easiest 50 people you ever have to control. Right. We've <laughs> never had anyone throw up. We've never had anyone be so fucked up they overdosed or passed out or needed help. We've never had somebody pissing on themselves or a fight break out. It's the Barely simplest heckless. crowd. Now, you, you flip that around. Mm-hmm. You flip that around to our outdoor show that we did last summer called Comedy Fire, where everyone Everyone's drinking, and we have people pissing in the yard, and we have neighbors threatening to call the cops. There was, we used to drink here, and we had a birthday party for somebody who was, he was a guy who was here, and we had comedy, it was great. But they couldn't, they were so drunk, and they were worried, they, they stopped using the bathroom, and they were going, they peed, the nice old lady next door, she died, but when she was alive, she caught... It might have it might have been part of her death, but so these these comics they were peeing in her front yard. No. And so she comes to me the next day and she says, "Pam, I got a problem. There are people peeing in my front yard." And I said, "What did they look like?" And we figured it out together. And I found them and I made them go knock on her door and apologize. I was like, "You yeah. apologize for peeing in her front yard. We have a bathroom here. Yeah, and why man. can't you go?" the street over here why in her yard like what are you doing okay the the going (laughs) put uh uh, going to the bathroom in public places seems to be an an issue in san francisco absolutely is it is it all the liberalism is that what it is no okay because look if you took a dump on the sidewalk in boston someone would just kick your ass immediately you would be halfway through the dump (laughs) so it's actually on the books it's legal to poop on the street it's not it's not legal to pee this is very interesting it's not legal to pee on the street but it is legal to poop on the street because if you gotta go you gotta go okay like so if i like if i was i'm normal person i'm not normal but i'm pam benjamin i'm walking down the street now you you cannot get arrested for that because you're like i didn't know what to do and I didn't want to do it in my pants. And so there's like a law on the books that pooping is fine. First of That's all, amazing. Having, having poop no pee is Near insane impossible. because no one has ever pooped without peeing like a little bit also. Like you've never, no one has ever done that, first of all. So it's a trap. It's a huge trap. <laughs> Second of all, 
I'm gonna take a dump on the sidewalk. I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, I know that. My <laughs> God, is there ever like group dumps where you guys like hold hands in a cul-de-sac and you yeah. all I'm just fucking? Go skydiving. This is my way. <laughs> yeah, you live. Well, there is um. The worst thing I saw was a guy instead of pooping in the in the on the street or whatever. He he tried to go into a cup. And he was at the bus stop and he's trying to go in a cup, but he had diarrhea. So like he was trying to make this right for everybody, but it was getting just it was so wrong because it was all it, like completely he completely missed the cup. I don't know how all that happened. It's like when you try to vomit into a beer bottle, like that how that doesn't work because of like science or something. Like the same thing happened with his butt in a cup. And I'm like sit, I was like I, and I live on Geary and I'm just looking at it like I shouldn't be wa- I shouldn't be enjoying watching this, but I yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, one guy, one cup. It's like you. Yeah. I mean, everyone saw the cup in that video. It didn't stand a chance. Like, you can't fucking. <laughs> you can't. You cannot expect to. It's the same thing when like I have to piss wicked bad and I'll have an empty bottle in the car, right? I don't trust that. I don't trust that I'm gonna keep it within that bottle at all. Uh, just I've practice. I do now. I I, I do that. I, one of the jokes that I hate in my act is about how poop and water bottle whatever is a punchline. But I well, it, it killed it killed a comedy Oakland because I hate that joke. It's his big opener where Ben looks at me in a disappointed tone. It disappoints goes, me. I'm gonna do the water bottle poop thing and like saunters over to the stage with his head down and then it's just crushing. Yeah, everybody's Ben's dying inside yeah, slowly. Yeah. It's like me when I do the fucking Sandy bit. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's yeah, it's not a fun bit to. Tell. Hell, but I'm like, I know this will work, and well, I'm gonna use it. But. It was so great tonight to hear you on the phone that you gave him the bit. People fucking love that. They're like, <laughs> she was like, I want friends who listen know to my, my jokes. <laughs> yeah, know my bits. Yeah. Ben knew I was gonna roll with my fucking right. I know that's usually one of your three closers. I was like, other than that, or I was a dunster. Yeah, but I know. Venmo's quicker to say. Well, I would have told you to see if you'd done any of your trans stuff yet. Let's go with that. <laughs> you have, you I have had just done it. Plenty right. more shows. I feel like a jerk because I was trying not to repeat any material, but I've repeated a That's joke. What I'm I did Melania. I didn't want to do Melania tonight, but I was already naked and I couldn't think and I should have done all these other things. And I was like, well, there's lesbians. They seem to like feminism. So I was like, yeah. I, but I really didn't want to repeat jokes. And I feel like a jerk because I'm. I've repeated a couple jokes. That's and it's my, like, I have like, enough material. I don't have to repeat jokes. That was my goal this year for Mutiny, Pam. I was like, I came back. I'm like, I got I got three shows. Or you, you, the, the festival's promising you three shows. I'm right. like, my goal is to bring 30 new minutes. Yeah. Well, and I got to add Do you I to- do time that I didn't do for you last year? And I'm going to definitely mix in some old stuff. Like, you're going to hear the baby song again, if I can sing. Yeah, the baby day. on the plane song But aside song from brilliant. that, I'm like, what else can I bring you that you haven't heard? Like, Dude. it's kind of a fun challenge to have that check mark where you go, okay, what's, do, what do I have that I didn't have this point last year? That's why, like, hosting shows also gets you a lot better, because you have to open it up, and it's like a lot of people from last time, and it's like, all right, what happened? Do you... Oh, yeah, man. You I just got to talking to me. Like, semi-comfortable hosting. I'm going to... You almost got the host today. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I almost got the host today. <laughs> yeah, man. I got in here at 5.54 and then did my whole set about my trip. Yeah, it was great. Well, Ben, why don't you tell us about yeah, the trip? Yeah, Ben, I was... Yeah, I was oh, God. I, I can't talk about it right now. We'll All right, that's fine. That's a, it'll, it's ben had three flights cancel on him. Uh, and uh, he flipped out appropriately. Anyway, so... Oh, yeah, he <laughs> says he lost lost his mind. Yeah. Well, um... Yeah, buddy. You're, you're, you're staying through Monday. We can add you to the My Alt Life, because you missed a show, right? Or No, you, no you're, I, you're, I made uh, it. That was the you miracle. You made it. I was supposed to have this 6 p.m. show be my first show. Right, 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 I thought right, right. I was definitely going to miss the 6. Well, sure. In your mind, you lost nothing. <laughs> I, I yeah, lost... No, no, well, it's, no. It's I lost my voice, and Chris, if you were here earlier today, I tried to do a song. You said you sang a song well. I did not sing well. I played a song well. 
but I, I, I was. I just thought you were a raspy yeah. guy. Yeah, just raspy guy. Like, like, he sounded like Tom Waits. Yeah, even absolutely. At, <laughs> even at yeah. Comedy Oakland tonight, I have like a pretty good set, and as I'm going off stage, I go, uh, "Thank my and I just I squeaked, and then I went, and I apologized for my voice, and I left because I felt terrible. But like I, I literally like pubet pub. Pub- What's the puberty word? Pub- Pubescence? Pubescently, Pre-pubescent. like, cracked. Mm-hmm. Just pubescently, like, like my voice just... Peter Brady, yeah. <laughs> time to change! And I, to rearrange! And my first thought was, like, thank God that didn't happen till now. Because I had, you know, already done my time. And I was like, that was the real... It was, you know, I ran around my neighborhood screaming the F word for a while. Then. Oh, I would have lost my... <laughs> well, the same thing the happened... Word, dude? Uh, yeah, and then also for someone to come kill me. But you know, we've all we've all been there. Am I right, guys? Both both Karina and uh, Tommy McGuire. Now Karina was coming from L.A., so I don't know why her plane was delayed eight hours. So she missed her show, and then the same thing happened to Tommy McGuire. He was coming from New York, and he oh, yeah. it didn't it didn't the work out there. So, but I do the, I have extra spaces because people dumped out at the last minute and it's so funny because they send me these messages like oh I'm so sad I have to... and I'm like thinking in my head oh, phew like okay good that gives me three open spaces for other things because things are going to happen and that's kind of like I'm going to ha and I want to make sure and I felt so funny about like you know I wanted to make sure that everyone got like a quote unquote good time like I don't want to put everyone at like the six o'clock or the five o'clock show it's like oh you get three early shows no I tried to like mix right, it around right, right, right. so it's like eight o'clock show nine o'clock so it wasn't people shows they asked for too because we all I that was another interesting thing with um, I don't know why I give people choices. No, I I gave you five, and then I hoped there were some people that I, I felt like such a, a jerk because uh, a lot of people are on. I have two POC shows, people of color, and some of the people of color are on both shows, and I'm like, oh, you I didn't put up POCs. <laughs> In Boston, it's always a crazy thing because when we book shows, we always try to put like at least one person of color. We usually book like five or six spots, maybe, and then it's like, all right, so we'll get a person of color. But like, we live in Boston, so like, holy shit. Right. It scares You could find a green person before you could yeah. find a black person. <laughs> well, and and like, oh, leprechauns. We, we live in Boston where along that streak of old fashionedness is the streak of people that are very in tune and progressive who are like, Policing that kind of stuff. Uh, if you're yeah. if you're a showrunner and you're putting out like white male lineups night in night out in Boston, there are definitely people that are going to call you out on that. And so yeah, and and you 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 do want that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's just a I feel like it's just boring to. Do. It's also boring yeah, to produce. Boring to but all white it is, it's boring to produce on a lot of levels too. Microphones. A bunch of white guys. It's like great. Yeah. No, uh, as a white guy, nothing annoys me more than a bunch of other white guys. Because, look, as a white guy, I hate my... I don't know if I hate myself because I'm, like, a white guy, but I hate myself, and I don't want to hear eight other guys. I think it's because guys. you're Jewish. I think that's why you hate yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, as an Italian, it's yeah. a tough to be a minority in comedy. We call you Wops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the, you're called Wops, Al. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you, it was... Wops. Call me a Goomba, man. Uh, that's a good one. I learned but in comedy a for myself. Go- it's all about brevity. But One syllable. Goomba, Goomba's a good word. It has something to do with the Italian plumbers, doesn't it? Isn't a Goomba from the... Well, no, that's the thing. Goomba... Goombas are the things that Mario jumps on. So oh. Anything, you guys know how to flush Goombas. toilets? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking barely. Uh, the Italiophobia in Boston is fucking out of this world. But uh, Alex Giampapa and his Dago comedy shows. <laughs> 
Remember I was Yeah, hey, uh, we're renaming Comedy Party. That's it. <laughs> and I replied to it, and I was like, I was like, dude, sometimes you get paid very well, very rarely, but and then sometimes you get paid with spaghetti dinner. And like yeah. Connor jumped on, and he was immediately like, where are these spaghetti? Dinners? <laughs> yeah, I was like, like, yeah, what are you talking about? Um, I did a sh I did a show at the Italian Heritage Center, ironically, incidentally. I, um, what did they just show the Sopranos? It like, was a benefit. No, it was a, it's like a big like banquet hall in, in Portland, and it's like mm. uh, there were like 400 people there, all ages. All Italians. Uh, it was uh, not all. Uh, there were a lot of Italians, but it wasn't all Italians. How shiny was the hair? Like uh, there was some good shiny hairs. Yeah, definitely. Some good slick there's, uh, shit. There was a, there was some pasta dinner. It was a, bene a benefit for uh, paraplegic, and which is not funny, but there was like 400 people there, all like literally four to 90. Yeah. And me and uh, two other comics, Will and Will Green and Aaron Willis, the two guys that uh, Love I inherited the Portland Comedy Co-op from, yep. uh, were doing that show. We were supposed to do like 45 minutes of comedy in the middle of, there was like a DJ, we were between a D, like a guy playing Wonderwall on acoustic guitar Ugh. and a silent auction. Perfect. And for Perfect. Like, all ages. before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz latin gospel hip-hop and traditional folk ballads great stuff check it out labor and love is every saturday 10 a.m to 12 p.m serve somebody Welcome to Fantastic Comedy Clubhouse here in Mutiny Radio. Yes, uh, it fell off the wall and the glass shattered and they felt terrible and they want to know how much money to give you for the glass or to serve, save. They were, yeah, I was like, what do you want to do? The glass. Uh, but it, they slammed the door, it fell off the wall. Uh, hey, everybody, welcome to Pam Tassis Comedy Clubhouse here. It's a Friday night. 
here at mutinyradio.fm. We're going to turn on the, the lights outside so people can see that this is a place that's cool, that they can go inside. Uh, and they cleaned up the glass, which was exciting. The last people that broke something just left the glass on the ground. And I was like, why? Why? I did. I did. I was so sad, and it was such a difficult moment. Uh, unlike every other moment here at Mutiny Radio, am I right? Yeah. How exciting it is to be here for Pam Texas Comedy Clubhouse. Uh, we're going to get all the comics here and get it all together. Uh, we're going to put the chairs back in a recognizable order. It looks like people just, they just throw shit. It's just so funny. There's just